everybody. Welcome to another episode of Otra Por Favor. Otra Por Favor. Episode 11. How are you today, Chaparro? I'm doing good, Richie. How are you, man? I'm doing good, doing good. How's um, work? How's work? Man, it was a busy day. Really? Busy day. Yeah, we adopted two cats, uh, not this weekend, but last weekend. Mm -hmm. So they did a mess. Oh. And, you know, had to clean it up this morning, but it was all right. I mean, um, it's like, it's one of those things that you have to transition to see if you want to have kids or not. How <laughs> responsible can you be? And yeah. apparently I'm slacking. Uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's clean. Every day is clean, though. But I mean, whatever time is clean, that's a different story. Yeah. There's hey. no structure. <laughs> it's, it's, it's all part of the training, man. You know, right. right. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. So today we have a very, very special guest. Very, very special guest. Along yes. with a very, very special discussion. Oh, yeah, it's about to get heated up in here. Um, and and it might it might be a little uncomfortable, but it's one of those things that I've always wanted to. You know what? We have to talk about it, especially because. It, this this part of this conversation is gonna involve it involves so many emotions, and and I hope you know you you know if you feel uncomfortable you can at least try to pay attention and be receptive to what we're saying, um, and and without further ado our guest for this evening on the eleventh episode is Irma Garcia. Yes. How are you today, Irma? I'm doing well. How are y'all? Man, we are good and we are great. And thank I'm you for winning. I'm sweating. I am sweating as well. It's a little hot in here. No pun intended. <laughs> no, pun intended. <laughs> so, Irma, um, thank you for being here. Uh, I know I know. this is uh, to talk about sex. It's a subject that we don't usually talk about it, but we need to do it, especially in our mind. And us, like as Hispanics in a minority community, you know, I feel like our generation... It's starting to do something good about it, but we need to expand that to where we don't. We can also say, like, talk about it with our parents, no matter what age. Um, so yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of the times, whenever this conver this type of conversations pop up, people feel like they freak out, mm -hmm. and you know, it, the mind freezes, and you're like, wait, I think about this all day long, especially as a guy, you know. But you think about sex all day long. Everybody thinks about sex all day long. <laughs> is that normal? Is that normal? <laughs> it is absolutely normal. Right, right. So, but one of those things that why not make make it verbal and why not talk about it? Because the more communication, the more information we have, I feel like the better foundation we can have as a community in general. Absolutely. Um, I like. A, but I feel like before before she sorry Richie, before she uh, I guess answers that question I guess we probably need to hear a little bit about her background. Yes. What do you think? Yes. So can you share a little bit of your background? You know where you're from, and you know what's up with you. You know from back in the days until now, what has changed? Absolutely. Okay. So I was born and raised in Houston, Texas. Insert Megan and Beyonce plug. <laughs> um, nice. I um, was raised in a mixed status household. So half of the household um, was were immigrants and the other half were not. Um, so I so my lived experiences come from all of that, from living in the hood, from being in an immigrant household to also being in a household that. 
Um, people knew about American culture as well. Um, so it was a little mixture about everything. And what I usually talk about the most is um, religion. We grew up in a very religious household. It was um, evangelical Christian Christianity. Um, so sex, the only thing that you would be told about sex was sex is something that you have in marriage, point blank. And that is all. Um, my mom was a person that did believe in talking about it still. So she did talk to me about um, a few things here and there. But at the end of the conversation, she still ended it with, but you're not supposed to have sex until you're until you get married. And that's that on that. Um, so naturally, um, I didn't like that answer. I always tell folks that um, the reason that I am who I am today, the reason that I do what I do today is because I have always have had this spark in my heart, this passion for sexual health, for gender um, studies, for everything that deals with the sociological and psychological aspect of sex. Mm -hmm. So um, ever since I was little, as young as five years old, I knew about sex. I didn't have the language for it that I do now, the, the academic language, but I knew how, um, how certain things felt. I knew that my body would feel certain ways um, if I did certain things. So I knew that there was something there, right? And so growing up, um, I was in this very repressive situation at home where like I couldn't talk about it. I couldn't... Um, say anything about it. I didn't have that freedom, which I believe is the same reality that a lot of Latino people go through. Yeah. Um, and I finally graduated high school, went to college. Um, I attended UT. My major was in journalism and my minor was in women's and gender studies with a focus in human sexuality, which was there where the academic language for everything for most of what I'm going to talk about comes from. So um, it wasn't until college that I had to learn about all of these things mm. versus being able to learn about sex ed in elementary school, in middle school, high school, um, because it is important to talk about sex ed as early as you start asking questions about it. As soon as kids start asking questions about anything that deals with their body, anything that deals with relationships, I believe that parents friends, family members should have those conversations. Um, and then fast forward after graduation, my first job out of college was being a reproductive and sexual health counselor at a local abortion clinic here in Austin. And then um, fast forward a little more, I um, am now the case manager for the state of Texas at Jane's Due Process. Um, and also a sexual health educator in that same role. Um, and fast forward a few years later, I created Dirty South Sex Ed, which is my way of giving back to the community to talk to our people about sex and have these frank conversations about it. Um, no filter. So everyone today... I'm going to be saying all the words that make y'all uncomfortable, but also trigger warning if um, 
there are anyone if there's anyone listening that has had traumatic experiences with sex or anything in that realm please take care of yourself um so yeah that's the short version of my background and it's it's deep deep um it's you say you you did minor in journalism and then uh like when you're in your studies so my major was journalism okay. and my minor was women's and gender studies with a focus on human sexuality and so i like how journalism and you know gender uh, studies how that ties in together because journalism helps you on whenever you want to bring something to the table like it it helps you put it in the word when you talk about it but you also when you type it or write it And, and I communicate, yeah. You communicate it, and that's super important. So I would say I'm a very big fan of education myself, um, no matter what you do. Like, you know, whether it's trade school, whether it's anything, but as long as you have your name and a piece of paper that helps you know something, that's good, you know, because you can never unlearn something you already learned. So, I, I'm, you know, thank you for, for doing those two studies because we don't really have a lot of that, like, The, those type of studies in our, in our communities. You know, we always talk about like, oh, you should be a doctor, you should be a lawyer, you should be this, you should be that. But never like, you know what? Why not do something and, and you know, study something you really want to learn about, like what you did, especially since the part of sex you didn't, yes, they were like saying, maybe talk about it, but there was like, but you can't have it before you get married. And right. the fact that you took a step like, okay, I'm actually not just gonna, it's not a, like, Rebelling? Well, rebelling. What the heck is oh, rebelling? Oh, it was absolutely rebellion. My parents actually do not approve right. of what I do. So that's a whole other monster to tackle. But um, yeah, to this, uh, now they've made peace with it and they understand that it is important to talk about. And they always, you know, Latino parents, they're, they're like, okay, okay, okay. But just make sure to tell them that. They have to wait until marriage. <laughs> no, mom. <laughs> I'm not saying that. <laughs> that is why we are here now. <laughs> yes. right, yes. what, do you, what do you think, Chaparro? Right, I think uh, I think we, we we need this education, uh, especially coming from you know a Latina, a Latina like her. Um, we we need to learn um, all the all that we should have learned uh, a long time ago. We need to learn it now. That way, yes. uh, that way we don't make any other mistakes that we already made. You know, so yeah. it's very important. Yeah, absolutely. Not, right. Not saying like say the you know the blessings of having a child is a mistake, but it's more like you can delay that process a little bit till you actually have something for yourself. You know, when you you're in a better situation and not when you're a teenager. Um, I yeah, that's important to talk about. I would only add that when I talk about sex ed, I come from, I'm, I use a reproductive justice framework and to, to define reproductive justice for our listeners, it is, um, a framework that talks about how, um, people of color, specifically marginalized folks, even more specifically black and brown folks get, um, reproductive coercion in the medical system by either being forced to get on birth control so that black and brown folks don't reproduce. Um, and then on the other side, there's also the inaccessibility of being able to access birth control and um, 
abortion care if they do need it. So it's a double-edged sword, right? Mm -hmm. um, so at the end of the day, I do talk. I do talk to teens about the fact that if they do want to have kids, okay, they do have the right to do that. Um, but let's be informed. Let's let me give you all of the information that you need so that you have access to Medicaid, birth control after if you want it, um, or have the information that you need in order to get the proper OBGYN care. And then if you don't want to be pregnant also and need to access birth control, there's information on that as well. Um, it is important also to talk about that in the state that we live in. Unfortunately, it is extremely oppressive when it comes to reproductive rights. So um, we'll get into that later. But yes, we're going to talk about teens having sex and that is normal and that is okay. But we'll also talk about, you know, the knowledge that you need before you do that. <laughs> good, good. Because a lot of, I mean, in general, like when, when, I, when I first, like I lived in California in, in the late two. Uh, 1990s, <laughs> yes. and then and then I moved to Galveston, not to Galveston, to Mexico, and I came to Texas in early 2000s, and there was like the the I would say a lot of my friends like they 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 um here's one thing that, that stuck to me like I, I grew up in a like similar to you in, a, in an evangelical conservative background, and. When you talk about Christianity, like I don't want to get too deep in that conversation, but the one thing that I always got, it was like the conviction of each person is different. Not because the conviction of this one guy that's in the altar, you know, worked out for him the way it worked out for him, waited till he got married. That's great. Good for you. And, and you can, you know, you can share that experience and maybe it's going to work out for other people that are trying to find the same way of, you know, like abstaining or waiting before sex. But then there's also this other, you know, group that I are not, you know, like they, they didn't do that. So I grew up in a place where if you had sex before marriage and you were a teen, you were pretty much exiled and you couldn't like serve in the church, which I'm like, th that's like the most, I would say, it's kind of like counterproductive because you're shaming someone for mm -hmm. what happened mm -hmm. and, and little by little that brought rebellion more than information like every, the whole time we hear someone getting pregnant or someone came out pregnant or they found out someone had sex before marriage it was like oh we gotta shut them down for six months and then they can serve again after they they pay their time after they get married after they get married and and um so with that it's kind of like what do you do in those six months yes you can talk about god you can talk about the bible but do you actually give them information regarding sex? Like, not to say like, oh, you can't just do it. Like, do you actually let them know like, this is the reproductive system. This is what it's all about. And I think we all know the answer is no. Right. Um, it's, it's important to know that um, purity culture is part of Christianity, it's part of religion. And purity culture, what that means is it is a culture that focuses on sexual purity. And if this person isn't pure, they are no longer quote unquote worthy. So in an essence, that means that, um, but this is stressed more to the women. Mm -hmm. If a girl has sex, she, the, the language that a lot of Christian um, leaders uses, 
no man wants a chewed piece of gum or a used car or a used house. And at the end of the day, whenever I would get told that in my head, I, I got in trouble several times and then I learned to like, be quiet. But um, I, I always had a question, but why I gotta be a piece of gum? <laughs> like why I have to be a car? And if I am a car, can I be a Lamborghini? Because at the end of the day, we are human beings. We are sexual from the day we are born, but also we, why are we being compared to, tangible objects why are we being compared to objects period um but to reel that back in purity culture is essentially telling people like if you have sex before marriage you are no longer worthy of um you are no longer worthy period and that's so traumatizing to hear that like what if someone unfortunately got assaulted so you're basically telling this person that who possibly did not want to have sex, but because she or he had sex or was forced to have sex, sorry, um, they are no longer worthy of, of love, of, of partnership, compassion, everything. Um, and that's something that we need to talk about a lot more that unfortunately in religion, in purity culture, we are creating a culture that over sexualizes kids that so like y'all don't want to sexualize anyone but yet y'all are talk y'all are sexualizing kids um and y'all are creating a culture of abuse right and unfortunately that leads to a lot of problems which i'm sure a lot of people know um but i know that purity culture is something that is incredibly um traumatizing for a lot of folks. There is another concept called religious trauma. And usually most people who come out of that are always talking about how sexual purity was just shoved down their throat. And we're told all of these things that, you know, if you have sex, you're no longer worthy. Um, that if you, that if your skirt is like at your knee, you are a hoe, you're not pure anymore. Right. Yeah. You can't serve on the altar. You know, you have to look a certain way, dress a certain way. I remember that I was told that I was laugh. Whenever I laughed, I laughed too loud that it wasn't ladylike and it wasn't pure. Wow. And I was that's, like, yeah, I can't is. even have joy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so everything is policed. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately that creates, that creates people who want to explore life. And at the end of the day, they'll end up doing that by having sex sometimes. And then they end up getting pregnant and not wanting to be because they just wanted to experience some type of joy, some type of pleasure that sex brings. And let's be realistic. The reason people have sex is because it feels good. And that is like literally the bottom line that we all need to talk about and need to be like upfront with people. Like why are people so obsessed with sex is because we know that it feels good and we don't want other people to have it, but why not? Is there a way that we can talk about it in a way that like, yo, sex is not just reproduction. It is for pleasure, but there are ways that we can protect ourselves so that, you know, if you don't want to have sex with someone and you're being forced, this is what you say, this is what you do. Or if you are in a situation where um, you do want to have sex, you know, you make sure you have a condom or this and this and that. And these conversations aren't being had. So we're basically, um, we, we basically have this group of people, including ourselves, mm -hmm. that are out here just winging it. And winging it has unfortunately brought us negative experiences sometimes with sex, negative um, 
thoughts about it, sexual shame, trauma. And um, I, I, I think, I mean, y'all can pitch in here, but I think a lot of us have had these situations where it's like we want to have sex with someone, but we don't know how to talk about it. We don't know how to like do anything. But at the end of the day, you're we're just like, F it. Let's do what it is and, you know, keep it moving. But communicating, which was what yeah, I was talking to you mm-hmm. earlier, um, it's not just you know like oh yeah yeah communication 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 yes communication is key but how you communicate is important um what you say is important and when you say certain things is important too so like for myself um when i was young my mom she had to have several surgeries like one when it was like in 1994 in spanish it's la matriz i think it's uterus like it was it was removed from her because like, basically, she had complications. Like, my, my parents' genes didn't mesh well. So when I was, she was pregnant of me, like, after I was born, I had to do a blood transfusion. And then my brother was born, and it's kind of like a little bit of the same way. So then my mom carried a lot of, uh, like, damages in her reproductive system. So then whenever, like, 1994 happened, she had to have that surgery for to remove her uterus. So for me, it was, like, normal to hear that word. She's like, they're going to remove my matriz. And I'm going to Guanajuato and do it. So one weekend, she was gone and, you know, she was, they did the surgery the week after. And then when we were in California, they removed their ovaries because of the uterus part. I guess it caused more damage. So then mm-hmm. she's saying that the hormone, maybe I could be wrong from what she was saying, but she's saying that the hormones of removing the uterus affected her. So taking away the ovaries will yeah. help on, yeah. on, on, uh, like maybe stabilizing that part yeah. of the hormones. But then she had to do other, other, like she had to take medication so she can keep producing hormones. And I think some of that was birth control. And like with my parents, my parents were pretty like conservative, but they were always very acknowledgeable of situations. They were never like, like my dad had to talk about sex with me when I was 11. And he was, he never said like, Oh, don't have sex. He was like, this is, you know, this is your penis, and this could happen whenever you're thinking of this. FYI, and like, oh, okay, cool. And then my cool. mom too, yeah. And then my mom too, like she, <laughs> she would, yeah. And my mom, same thing, nice like, talk. yeah. And then, uh, and then my dad, my mom, she actually had the conversation with me about like what was removed and what happens. And then, and it was like I was able to get that information, so that helped me understand things better as I got older, yeah. and think what I had to do before I did anything. So. But a lot of my friends didn't have that conversation. Yeah. Um, I I remember my mom um, saying, okay, this is what happens when, um, th- this is what sex is. And she likes it. Like, it's a penis going in a vagina, blah, blah, blah. Um, but unfortunately, that is something that you cannot do and blah, blah, blah. And I, I just find it fascinating how... Um, different families have different styles Mm -hmm. on how they talk about this. Um, Because while at the end of the day, sexual shame is something that is very well and alive. um, It's, it's still part of our culture. Unfortunately, there's that um, Madonna whore complex where um, a lot of people in Spanish would, would say la Virgen Maria y la puta. And those, that, that concept is basically saying like girls have to be 
Virgin Mary, basically, like pure, you know, dressing um, modestly and behaving modestly and not being una cualquiera. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of women have heard that mm -hmm. from their moms or their dads or their family, especially in Latino communities. Like you can't be a cualquiera. Um, but who is a cualquiera is my question. Is a cualquiera someone who knows about her body, who knows about her pleasure and knows what she wants? Um, and unfortunately, like that's a conversation that isn't had. And it's something that now I talk about all the time where it's like, um, reclaiming those words. Cause at the end of the day, like our families sometimes don't always know what they're talking about. And yes, they want, um, the best for us. Right. Um, mm -hmm. and it is protective, but it's also pejorative. That means that it is going to come with consequences where we're going to have sexual shame. We're not going to be able to talk to our partners about what we want in bed and so forth and so forth. So this conversation can, you know, go on for hours and yeah. hours. Hey, we're good with that. And, but that's the thing that you're saying that because usually, um, on the, you know, on the female girl part, on the girl side, it's actually, always the one getting shame and always getting uh, uh yes. you know the, the the worst part of it uh mm -hmm. and when it comes to men we're like oh yeah you hit that oh you know it's always a good thing you know and i hit that bro yeah exactly <laughs> and, and and i think there's something that we also need to talk about because it shouldn't be like it should be equal it should be the same responsibility for each each individual you know mm -hmm. so and i and i feel like we don't we don't talk about that enough And, Let's talk about it. Yeah. And um, like you said, uh, like when your parents talk to you about that, um, you can be a cualquiera, you know, you can be the Virgin Mary, like you said. Right. But for us, there's really they don't tell you you can be this or that. Right. Exactly. They so, give it the handshake. Every right. time we, they're they're happy. My dad was like, hey, but, but it's one of the more like because my dad's. Super respectful. He kind of, he had a little bit like of a, I would say, like when it comes to, up to women, he always viewed as a, you know what? You have to treat women with respect, mm -hmm. no matter who they are. You're hot, respectfully. Yes. Like he was always very like, like, I, I think that's one thing, one thing I appreciate from my dad is how respectful, respectful he was towards my mom, like in any level. For dad. And I'm like, and for me, it's like, yes, you can disagree. You can get mad. But there's this level of respect. I mean, sometimes, you know, us guys, we, you know, we say like, you know, dumb stuff or whatever. Because then my kids mode. Yeah. yeah. But, but like, but my dad was always very, very respectful. Like I would say he was, he's very few Christian can actually practice what they preach. And he was one of those guys that like, I'm pretty sure Jesus will be around. He'd be like, you know what? You're doing it right. Like you could be my friend. You could be my friend. Yeah. <laughs> we can drink this wine. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm, so it's one of those things like my dad was always like, he, he was, he's very like still like he doesn't drink or, you know, every time we drink, he's like looking at me, but mm -hmm. he's very like, he, when it came to that subject, because of my mom's situation, his switch wasn't about uncomfortableness. It was like, all right, if we have to talk about something, let's talk about it. So yes. there was like open window to say anything. That's what like, I live for. And, and for me, it's like, man, it's cool. But a lot of my friends didn't have that. Like a lot of my friends had the shaming part, you know, like a lot of my friends, Like I know people that were kicked out of their house for, you know, for being pregnant or for find her, their parents finding out they had sex. Mm -hmm. And it's like, 
heck no. We got to put a stop to that. Like It's definitely something that continues to be happening. I, um, from what I said earlier, I'm the case manager for the state of Texas at Jane's Due Process, which is an organization that um, helps minors in Texas access abortion care without their pa- without their parents finding out through the judicial bypass process. So a little background in Texas, um, which I'm sure a lot of folks know because of the um, news lately that Greg Abbott decided to sign um, SB8 where if someone wants to have an abortion in the state of Texas, it has to be under six weeks, which is literally when someone finds out that they didn't get their period. So by the time they find out, oh shit, I may be pregnant. Oh, at that point, it's already too late. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, so, you know, that's a rant for another day, but (laughs) whenever, um, so yeah, my mind just kind of got, discombobulated for a minute no because I was also like fucking bitch (laughs) Um, I I cussed him out like 10 times a day at at my job Um, so basically every hour (laughs) you know (laughs) Um, so basically in the state of Texas um, if someone wants to have an an abortion presently there's a lot of requirements so if you are an, an adult you have to get a consultation where um, you have to get told um, certain things that are actually not true, but it is actually written by legislators, not doctors, about, you know, if you get an abortion, you can get breast cancer, you can be infertile, blah, blah, blah. And and none of this is accurate. The doctor, after he is by law required to say this, he is allowed to end that conversation with, and by the way, none of this is true. So it's, it's, infuriating um okay and after that consultation is completed the um law requires everyone to wait a minimum of 24 hours before they go back and get the abortion meaning um people are gonna have to wait to get the abortion and that's usually done because they want them to think about it before they actually get the abortion um so yeah once they are able to get the abortion they can go back but we're also talking about accessibility. Unfortunately, in um, early in 2010, 2011, um, the state shut down a lot of abortion clinics in Texas for several reasons. And um, that leaves the great state of Texas with a minimum amount of clinics that have to service the entire state. So um, you have people coming from the border from like West Texas trying to access this care. So it's, there's a lot of layers to this conversation, but I work specifically with minors because now the law says, and if you are a minor, you have to get your parents permission and your parents have to prove that they're your parent by showing an ID and your original copy of the birth certificate. And a lot of parents sometimes leave their kids with their grandparents or their aunts and uncles. Sometimes our parents get deported a lot of things happen. And so if the parent isn't present, I'm sorry, your kid can't have an abortion um, because it also has to get notarized. Um, And if the kid, and if the young person doesn't have um, that ability to talk to their parents about it, they can go through the judicial bypass process, which is where I come in and I help them um, go through the process, get a lawyer, prepare them for court. And then essentially it is up to the judge to approve or deny if they can have an abortion. So they have to prove two things. They have to prove that they are mature and well-informed. And 
how can someone prove someone is mature? That's that's like, how how do you do that? And a lot of judges will say, sorry, you're not mature. You can't have an abortion. So a lot of these things are just like, yo, um, the fact that this young person is here telling you I am not in a place to have a a child right now, that should be seen as mature, but it's not. And it is the literal definition of the government having control of someone's body. And that's what happens with these young people. Um, And through that process is where I talk to them about birth control. I talk to them about sex. I talk to them about abortion and all of that and everything. So I give them a little sex ed course that should have happened at their school, but that's a whole other monster, which Texas is also a conservative state, which says if we are going to have, if the school district wants to have sex ed, it needs to be, uh, abstinence has to be stressed as the go-to. So at the end of the day, it's it's still people saying like, you still have to wait until marriage or, you know, be celibate. Um, So there's, these layers of like talking to young people about sex and um, abortion and having that control of their body. And it's sad because literally almost every single Latina young person that I work with always tells me the same thing. My mom has told me and my parents have told me that if I were to get pregnant, I would get kicked out. And they did it to my, and they did it to my prima. They did it to, you know, my tia, this and this and that. Um, And they'll cry and tell me these things. And it's just like, I wish our mommies and our dads, you know, were not like this, you know, like, yo, we, you're here to protect me, but you can't give me this one thing of protection of like, yo, I need your help because of sexual shame. Yeah. So a little bit that that's a, that's forced parenthood. Absolutely. And how damaging is that for the person itself first and now how damaging is that for the community because the child that comes out pregnant that is hard for them to get the abortion because all this bureaucratic process bullshit yeah pretty much mm-hmm. um it's like like what what damages are like that part of forced parents parenthood how damaging is that for that person itself I can give you one phrase and that's intergenerational trauma. And I think a lot of us that are listening can attest to the consequences of that being not, not being able to move up in the world because you're trying to survive every single day, trying to put food on the table for someone, you know, because your parents weren't there to help you or um, you don't have access to, to a good paying job, we're seeing today that there's a big discussion about just being able to raise the minimum wage to $15 and $15 is like just 31,000 a year. But we're not talking about that today, but, um, it's all good. It's all good. Let it out. Let it out. But it is all interconnected. Um, none of these topics that we're talking about are single issues. They're all, they all intersect you are talking about economic justice for someone who is searching for who is needing abortion care. So I can start off by saying to a parent that is really against sex ed. Okay. If you are against sex ed at the end of the day, 
um, you are unfortunately going to make this person, yes, have be be a forced parent, but also there's this other aspect of economic justice. So what if they are not able to go to school? To, to college, like, are you going to be able to help with childcare? Are you going to be able to help paying for school? Are you going to be able to help paying for food? Are you going to be able to help paying for diapers? And um, currently, the m- things are expensive. Yeah. Outside is expensive. Yeah. Yeah. It, is. it is, especially. <laughs> you know, put us back inside. Right. Um, <laughs> So there are a lot of things like this is not just like, oh, someone has sex. They want to have an abortion. OK, blah, blah, blah. No, there's a lot of things to it. There's it's a discussion about class. Poor people cannot access birth control and abortion as easily as rich people. Rich people will be able to get an abortion regardless if it's legal or not. Because really? they because they will be able to go to California. Like they will be able to travel to get abortion care. Poor people will not. Um, you're also talking about, um, culture. You're keeping people in a, in a mentality of abortion is wrong. Sex is wrong and blah, blah, blah. And at the end of the day, it's one of those things that mess with your psyche. You're, you're telling someone that something that feels good is wrong. And so whenever they do have sex that they want to have consensually, they're going to feel some type of way. They're going to feel like what they're doing is wrong when when at the end of the day they're having sex with their husband, partner, whatever, and it's still not going to feel good to them. And that in and of itself is something that can mess up someone's psyche, can mess up someone's relationship. Yeah. Um, but this isn't sex therapy. However, it is all connected. Mm-hmm. It is. It is because it's like one of those like sex connects to everything in life. Mm-hmm, I mean, because we are sexual beings. Right. I think Trevor Noah, he was like, sex can start or end a war. Mm. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I can say that. Um, now, women carry all the burden of pregnancy. And, you know, it's easy for us guys to, and I'm a person that like, man, I'm afraid of having kids because I'm like, I don't want my wife to go through everything <laughs> like that. And I don't know how Have y'all responsible. seen on social media by any chance this, there's this trend going on in baby showers now. There's this game that um, it's this little like machine that, that gets connected to the guys so that the guys can um, feel what contractions or period cramps feel like. And they do not last <laughs> like even five seconds. It is hilarious. Um, and, and that just speaks volumes. Yeah, that yeah, That's just right. period cramps, something that women go through once a month. And we can't guys take can't even take <laughs> for that like <laughs> for like five yeah. seconds. Yeah, seen those you know? Are you done for the challenge, Chaparro? I'll try it because I've seen the videos and I mean, it, it, I've to, seen the, we have the, to do it one yeah, day. I've seen the guys oh, yeah. throwing on the snaps on, uh, the snaps on the floor. <laughs> like they can't really take it. It's painful, you know? And I mean, we're not saying it, it's not, we just haven't experienced it. So that will be a good thing too. Right. For yeah, us man. To, to and, it, and, and it's like, like say they, they, you know, like the women carry all the burden of pregnancy why not, like what you were saying right now, like have them experience the cramp, the pain of cramps, the pain of birth, con- like, you know, childbirth. Why not, like, encourage men to get a vasectomy? I mean, if they're going to keep, like, ah, you know, banging everyone that they can find around, why not get a vasectomy, dude? Like, Oh, that is the million-dollar question, hashtag questions that need answers, <laughs> because I have definitely asked that to my partners in the past. Um, would you ever get a vasectomy? And they've all responded with, like, uh, no, 
but like we can get an abortion. I'm like, no, no, that's dude. not because then yeah. we were talking about my body then, you right, know, right. like, why is it that women will have to, at the end of the day, still undergo whatever decision for reproductive health care is done. Women at the end of the day, most of the time have to bear that burden because there are some men that have gotten vasectomies, but the percentage is incredibly low. Um, we can't even get, and, and this is more like me ranting on men. We can't even get men to carry a condom. Mm-hmm. Uh, the most basic thing for sex protection, we can't even get them to carry a condom in their wallet. Most There was a study done that it's usually women that provide the condom. Mm-hmm. What, which is great right. because protection is important. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, who has the penis? And, <laughs> and, and why is the penis owner not ready and prepared? Right. Right. Chaparro, who has the penis? <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and that's the thing, though. I think uh, that comes to us to the education that we got when we were growing up, you know, that uh, we have, I want to say, this freedom about sex, you know. Men, I'm talking about men that... Uh, that we can just go and have sex with whoever we want to and, and, and not worry about the consequences. Walk around unscathed. Exactly. So uh, all of that, I, I feel like it has to do with our generations of learning the same ways and not wanting to change or listen to something different from, from mm-hmm. somebody else. There's a the shame of like, oh, I have to go to the store and get a and buy a condom. Exactly. Some people are, yeah. Yeah. are, nerv- are embarrassed mm-hmm. to do that. And then there's also... Another aspect, I've heard some um, people talk about how in, I think, Catholicism, condoms are seen as, like, bad because it can produce, like, I I guess it's an equal concept to abortion because you're not letting life happen. So, yeah, the conversation was not had at home because of condoms weren't even seen as a good thing. And even like you said, like vasectomy, right? Um, religion takes a lot of part of it for, for men that it takes you manhood and if you, you know, get, get surgery or whatever. And, and I don't know, I feel like um, these topics, like I said, it, it, we just need to learn about it. Like really what happens when you get a vasectomy? Like, can you still have sex, you know? And things like that. And most of the men that uh, say, no, I won't get any, I won't get that. It's, it's the, the ones that don't really want to get educated about it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think from the men that I've spoke to in the past about it as well, they're all like nervous and like, it's going to hurt. Okay, but... We go through a lot of pain once a month. People who have kids, people who get an abortion, people who like do a lot of things. Women go through a lot of pain. You can't put up with this pain one time. <laughs> like, come on. But um, this is my own personal opinion. Um, women are stronger. And that is that on that. <laughs> I would say I agree. I mean, I'm with you. I think I think they're like a hundred percent agree. Yeah, <laughs> completely stronger than man for sure. Yeah. Better organized, better everything. You know, we're just you know. Yeah, to everyone listening, I um, am looking at both of them. Like, yeah, y'all better say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, we actually thought about having like a group of friends here. Like, we were gonna try to record out the, out there. And have a group of friends here. And oh, that would have been so dope. Yeah, yeah. Next time, for sure. Next yeah. time. We are, we're going to have to do it. There's a second part. Um, so, you know, we're going back to, to you know, like, you know, the vasectomy for men and all that stuff. 
And whenever it comes to, like, say, uh, a parent speaking to their child about sex and how this should, because you actually brought out something different, which is another addition to the question is how, when and how it should, it should be a good time to inform children about acquiring knowledge about sex and, and their bodies as well? That's a wonderful question. I love that question. From the moment that um, toddlers are beginning to explore their own bodies, and um, this may make some people uncomfortable, but most, most people first masturbated when they were a toddler and they didn't even know it because toddlers are exploring their body and they're rubbing on things and then they realize, oh, this feels good, but they don't know. Like they're they're not making that connection of like, oh, this is masturbation or this is sex. It's obvious, like they don't know. They just know that it's their body and them doing a certain action on something else feels good. And, and that's that on that. And so what gets introduced immediately by most people is like, hey, you're not supposed to do that. You know, a little slap on the hand or a little like, hey, that's not good. Don't do that. And that is the introduction to sexual shame instead of being able to say like, oh, yeah, sometimes that does feel good. But we do that in private. You know, you can do that in, in, in your room. There's nothing wrong with that. We all do it. And Unfortunately, that is the introduction to sexual shame. And so you're talking about a toddler who's like one to four years old. And that could have been a teachable moment at one to four years old Hmm. is when the conversation should begin. Like once that comprehension begins, like that is when the conversation should begin. So once a child is learning their body parts, like this is your these are your hands. These are your fingers, your head, hair. Are are, are you going to skip? the penis and the vulva are, are you gonna skip the genitalia area like that's also part of the body and you got to talk about it and you have to not say like oh this is you know your your cookie or this is your your thing you can't put um euphemisms on body parts because that also adds an element of shame and you're basically letting this person know like hey we can't actually say the word because it's shameful um versus okay, this is your penis, this is your vulva, um, and you keep it moving, you keep it moving. And little do you know, these people, your, your kids are going to be like, oh yeah, that's a body part. There is no, no hypersexualization of it. It's just a body part. So as soon as there's comprehension, as soon as you are noticing that your child is, um, is exploring their body, I would say, is when the conversation should begin. Right. Yeah, like, did you... Had it like, did your, your parents ever like, hey, this well, is your partner? I mean, she's saying that, you know, and, and, and uh, with my dad, I was really close. He, you know, he he would t- tell me things about me, myself and stuff. And I remembered um, always listening to, to what he had to say. With my mom, I, I didn't really have that, com- that connection about, you know, uh, I guess showing me and uh, talking about sex and having that connection with her. I never did. And the problem is that my dad was always kind of like working and stuff. So I'd, it was at times when I would have this connection with him. So he wasn't, he wasn't all open, you know, and, 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 and that has to, I, I'm pretty sure that that is the same for a lot of listeners mm-hmm. uh, in our culture that, uh, that feel that they, did, they weren't open because they didn't have the opportunity to be open with 
with their parents. Right. And like you said, it was embarrassment. It was not knowing how to explain yourself or at least have the right questions. And and that's why I feel like we're quite, we're the quiet ones, you know. That's that's how I would say that I'm the quiet one. I I wasn't. Are you the one. saying men are the quiet ones? Yes, uh, because we <laughs> we're like. When it comes to to talk about sex, it's really difficult or not difficult, but embarrassed or we feel that we should know already. You know, you know what I mean? Like there's this belief, this idea that men are naturally sexual, that they are going to want to have sex all the time or that they already know what to do. You know, like men are the ones who are supposed to control the sexual experience. Um, And men don't necessarily always have consequences for when they have sex. And that's usually because like, they're not the ones getting pregnant. They're not the ones whose, um, whose reputation would be dragged, you know, like, que va a decir la gente? That little, that should be another platform Mm. on Instagram. And we just like, Post all the the things our parents told us, like "Qué va a decir la gente de esto? ¿Qué va a decir la gente de esto?" But that's usually for women. It was right. never for men. Right, right, right. Yeah, like like I think with my dad, it was like he one day he was like I was like three years old, and maybe a little a little older, and he was like, "You have to make sure your penis is clean all the time." Because you want to avoid infections. I yeah. would like to meet your dad. Uh, he, he's, <laughs> he's a very, Are we like, talking about hygiene? Yeah. Uh, no, he was, we need to put like, him on a poster. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we should, we should. There's actually a picture of him. And, and uh, you know, and he was like, he was like, so when you pee, you know, in the, in the bottom part of your cap. Urethra. Yeah, urethra. I, I, see, I don't even hey. know. <laughs> like, oh, thank you. There's, um, there's cake, caking could be built around it, like white, you know, residue of pee. Mm-hmm. So if you don't clean it, usually schmegma. Yeah, there we go. What was it? Schmegma. Schmegma. <laughs> it's like discharge, right? Yes. Yeah. So I have a penis here for the listeners. It's usually so like if someone has had a um. Oh my mind just went blank. Uh, if someone is circumcised, um, then there's usually no foreskin. But if someone is not circumcised, there's foreskin, and usually um junk can just build in there so usually men will have to pull the foreskin back in order to wash that area right right so yeah he was like make sure you clean it every day because then that's gonna bring you consequences and infections and i'm just like yeah dad okay even even till this day like (laughs) he was always like you know like when you take a shower like clean everything like you all know, the all, everything, whatever you don't, whenever, whatever the sun doesn't hit, clean it. <laughs> clean it. Yeah. So did your mom ever say like something around the line, like along the lines of like, quieren tener novia pero ni se saben limpiar el culo or something like that? <laughs> yeah. She was just more I like. I feel like your mom never said that to you because you knew how to clean yeah, your body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, it's funny because like. So, so, like, my mom was always like, she was more like, hey, be careful. I don't know what you guys do, but be careful. And I was like, yes. Like, they never said, don't do this. They were like, just be careful because whatever you do can affect your future. And I was like, cool. I want to be invited to y'all's carne asada. Oh, man. It's, it's pretty, it's very like, I don't know, you meet my parents. It's pretty, yeah, yeah, they're, yeah, they're pretty, pretty nice. Yeah, they're pretty cool. Down to earth. My dad, my dad, like, drinking party, he's looking at me, he was like, 
You can just have a straight conversation yeah, with but them. And that other than that, conversations, like, my parents are super good about that. And I guess that's why, like, I, I got it from them that you can conversate about stuff. And even I was actually talking to my mom about, like, this episode. And I'm like, Mom, this next episode is going to be weird. And What did she say? And, no, she was like, because I told her, like, you know, like, say, for example, for Caucasians, it's easier to mention the organs. Like, it's easier, easier to say vulva and penis and... They don't have any, like, it's rare when you hear them say, oh, you know, this, you know, board replacing that. And then, like, in Hispanic culture, we always have the replacement word for, you know, for those. We have a lot of them, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I was telling her, and then there was other conversations that were going with that. And then she's like, I'm glad you're going to do it. And I tell her, well, I mean, I, I learned because you taught you, I mean, because what happened to you? And then with the abortion part, like, she actually, like, before she had Angel. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was pregnant, and then at one point she was like, she had to decide between the baby or her, and mm-hmm. unfortunately, the baby didn't make it. But it's one of those things that, like, she told us, and she didn't feel shameful about it. She's like, this is what That's happened. Good. Yeah, and I'm like, and for me, the abortion part is like, it hits hard because I'm like, no, dude, like, I, I mean, I could have another sibling, but that didn't happen. But because of that, my mom is not this one person that everybody wants to portray anyone that thinks or or they've had an abortion are like no she's a woman you know and for me it's like I defend that part like anyone that wants to have that choice of having an abortion like I'm going to defend them to the end because my mom is you know she was in the situation she was in the part where she had to make a decision so there is this idea that People who have abortions are hoes, are are the cualquieras, are the ones that, you know, are just out here having sex with whomever, whenever, however. La locas. Exactly. And statistics show that the people who have the most abortions are parents. And context clues can tell us why that would be because they already have kids and they know the struggle. They know how hard it is. And so they decide, Hey, I don't think I can do this again, you know, this soon or this later, you know, whatever the case may be, having an abortion is a decision that only the person who's having the abortion should um, decide. And it's a personal decision and whatever reason it is for it's valid. I don't care if it's because someone knew about condoms and didn't use them. Like it could have been a one night stand and damn, you know, something happened. Mm -hmm. I don't care if it was like cualquiera and I don't care if it was la la mami. All reasons are valid. And I will also defend them to the end. Right. Right. Yeah. And so now going into like, say the personal part, um, I want to touch the self care and knowing yourself more. How was it important? Like what, how important is it to acknowledge what you like and don't like as a person before having sex? Because from what I know is like, you, you can't go experience something with someone unless you know yourself and you know what you want. Like, what do you, what do you think? What are your thoughts? Yeah. This is actually my favorite part of sex ed pleasure. Um, and it's the reason why I also started dirty South sex ed because I wanted all of my people to have pleasure. Um, but Yes. So sexual self-care starts with knowing yourself, knowing your body. And how do you do that? By exploring your body. And the word that a lot of people giggle at and are or 
are embarrassed is masturbation, masturbacion. Mm-hmm. So I want both of y'all to say the word. Say masturbation and say it in English and in Spanish. Uh, masturbacion, masturbacion. <laughs> I mean, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> see, everyone giggles and that's okay. But and no, that's okay. I, the reason I laugh is because I was going to ask you, um, right now, you know, I remember when I was younger, you know, doing it a lot, for example. Yeah. And pretty then, normal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I feel like now, nowadays, you know, teens are doing it like way before I did it, I think. And, and Are you talking about masturbation or sex? Masturbation. Okay. So it, I know they're two different things, um, but like, um, is it is it uh, safe to do it a lot and then have sex? You know, things like that. Yeah, that's a great question. I have been asked in the past if a big amount of masturbation desensitizes one's organs. Um, for whenever they have partnered sex? And the answer is no. Um, you can have a vibe, you, you can use a vibrator, for those who have vulvas, you can use a vibrator mm-hmm. all day, every day, and still be able to have sex. You can still get an orgasm. You can, your um, genitalia would not be desensitized. What happens though is your body can get used to certain sensations. So if you're doing this, it's kind of like sex. If you, do the same positions over and over and over again. You're going to get bored. Mm-hmm. And that's the same with our bodies. Whenever we're having, whenever we're masturbating, if we use the same vibrator or if we're doing the same thing over and over again, or if we watch the same porno, mm-hmm. we're going to get bored or we're not going to want, we're not going to have the same sensations. Our bodies are not going to like be able to orgasm as fast or as easily because we're just like, eh, you know, and, and that's pretty normal. It's common. But it doesn't mean that masturbation is the culprit. Does that make sense? Yes, makes sense. So, um, masturbation. <laughs> yes, self pleasure. I'm all about it. I actually would have brought all of the sex toys that I always use for um, demonstration purposes to talk about, like the different types of sex toys that exist and all of that. But you know. I couldn't carry them alone. And <laughs> but I do have different things here for our our, our listeners. Just imagine I have a clay penis and a clay clitoris and a vulva here. Um, and they're like in the center. They're actually like my good vibes like okay. section. So like when, whenever I do anything that deals with like sex ed and dirty sauce sex ed, I put them out. They're they're like my my Virgen Maria, you know, like my <laughs> candles. <laughs> and and y'all, for everyone that's listening, I've, I've had them here for the entire time and it's been interesting to like just have them here like front and center um a co-worker passed and was like <laughs> I know. what what are y'all doing here <laughs> no, she, she was like i'm gonna have to listen to this episode now. <laughs> yeah. so back to what i was saying self-pleasure is important to understand your body and to know what you like because at the end of the day we're talking about communication and sex right so how are you going to communicate when you don't know what you like and it is okay if masturbation is in your thing and if you prefer to have a partner explore on you instead that's also okay so i want to make sure that i voice that and make that valid for those who do prefer that way but for most people masturbation is the way to know your body to know what you like know what you don't like and so once you know what that is you'll be able to tell another person in partnered 
sex experiences. Hey, I like it when you do this or I like it when this happens. And you won't be able to say that if you haven't explored that yourself. Right. And you don't necessarily need sex toys. They're sex toys for men and women. So you don't necessarily need that, but they can help, you know, to change it up. So, um, let's definitely, um, dispel the stigma with ma- with masturbation with sex toys with all of that because that is part of sexual health okay, okay. drops mic <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like how you said like the part where the more you know like what do you what do you want to do the better you can communicate when you're having sex because you know sex is it's like it's, it's a pleasure part, but that pleasure co- part comes with responsibility and exactly comes with, you know, like communication and mm-hmm. you can't like do something and then you might enjoy it, but what if the person doesn't, you know? Yeah. Exactly. So when we, whenever you communicate, you then, I feel like even as like, say when you're in marriage, when you communicate, like maybe something's going to change in, in the future, you know, like, Oh, absolutely. Like I, my, my knee hurts. So that's kind of like, no, it's not there, like, <laughs> so we have to, uh, babe, we have like, to switch. Because <laughs> <laughs> tapping out, I, I got a, this soccer injury has been like for about a couple of months already. And, and, you know, like, so it's one of those things the, that like, um, desire and arousal changes as you get older. Exactly. Um, there is again, this other belief that, you know, men are always, are going to be able to, you know, be ready, you know, to have sex. But actually, um, men's desire and arousal um, actually goes down as they get older. So, yes, y'all were little, you know, like horny chihuahuas mm-hmm. when y'all were teenagers and, you know, 20s. But it's it's not gonna stay that way forever by the 30s by the time someone hits a man hits 30 it usually tends Caparo. to go down and then with women it goes up so we're like <laughs> not opposite, even, opposite, right? Yeah. right and so um that's why it is important to understand that and be okay with masturbation in relationships is important both parties or however many parties in a relationship <laughs> have to have their solo self-care, self-pleasure time because one partner may not always be on the yeah. go, on yeah. the ready. Um, different sensations might change. You may realize you like something different, you know, later on in life that you didn't, that you liked when you were younger and now you want to try something new, you know. So things change. And so it is very important to understand that masturbation doesn't end in teenagehood or um, when you're trying to, you know, figure out what you like or anything like that. Masturbation will continue until you die if you want to. Right, right. Yeah, and another thing, like, like when it comes up to self-care, um, that doesn't mean you're selfish. Exactly. But you should be selfish mm-hmm. because... Love yourself. Day, you got to love yourself. Like, I'm a, a big fan of treat yourself before exactly. you treat anyone. I have it tattooed right here. There we says, go. love yourself. There you go. There we go. And it's like... Like what, um, when it comes up to self-care, what do you recommend? Like in general, we could be working out, you know, like eating something that you like. Yeah. What, what do you recommend? So everyone is different, but what I recommend for folks who are on their sexual, you know, um, exploration journey that 
go online and search for a sex toy that is calling out for you because it's going to be way easier to have solo self-care, self-pleasure time with a sex toy than not because it's going to definitely enhance those sensations and you're going to want to have solo self-care time and masturbation benefits include but are not limited to stress relief headache relief pain relief um all of those things are amazing and all of those things are needed especially in the time that we're living in where unfortunately for people of color marginalized folks poor people Life is hard. Life is a life of our life is a life of survival. And so being able to have this small little pleasure to enjoy our bodies and enjoy ourselves to have an orgasm or just, you know, like have wonderful sensations with our body is something that the government, the system cannot take away from us. You know, (laughs) like and and, you know, no one gets pregnant. No one gets an STI. And so it's just, you know, wonderful and always around. But again, It's not everyone's thing and that's okay if it's not your thing, you know, don't have to do it. But um, apart from that, it is um, so like what you eat does affect your sexual health if you work out or not work out. Like if you are moving as long as you're moving. So you don't necessarily have to go to the gym and, you know, like lift weights or anything. But moving, staying active does help with sexual health because your knee may not hurt later. You know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, um, because if you are able to put your knees on somebody's son's shoulders, you can definitely, you know, lift some weights, girl. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um, and same for y'all. <laughs> so, no, no more complaining, Richie. <laughs> I don't complain. I just, I just suffer it up. I'm like, oh, let's, I'll deal with the pain. I'll put, I'll put some ice hot later. Let's go. Or, or y'all get cramps. <laughs> Wait, my back. Um, but then there's also relaxing. <laughs> oh, so our listeners, they're turning red over here. No, I'm, I'm good. Okay, he's pink. <laughs> but Rishi's definitely red. Um, <laughs> so besides staying active, watching what you eat, and, do, and I, I'm not into diet culture. It's just more so of like, you know, if you feel good, if you are mentally okay, you will naturally be okay down there. So if you're okay up here, you'll be okay down there. Versus if you're not okay up here, you won't be okay down Mm. there. And that just goes to show like if anyone who is listening like has been, has struggled with depression or anxiety or stress or whatever, most people usually lean towards the side of the spectrum where they don't want to have sex, where their sexual desire is zero, where like their libido is at zero. Some people, whenever they do get stressed and anxious and depressed, do get like a higher libido, but it's not as common as the other way around. And I, I'm sure like, I don't know if y'all have experienced that. Like when you're down, you don't want to have sex. Um, have you? So no. it, it's, it's different for everyone. And, and that's why I said it's, it's different for everyone. Some people, um, their libido goes up. Right. That's more like my excuse, babe. I had a bad day. <laughs> you know what makes it better? Exactly. <laughs> um, so apart from that, and um, I I also believe that educating yourself is part of self-care. If you are not out here researching, reading information, or educating yourself in some type of way, you will not be able to self-care 
in an educational, in an educated type of way. Like you won't be able to know what to do when you're feeling a certain type of way. Also going to your yearly checkups, making sure you get STI tested, making sure that you are prepared for whenever it's going to go down. Like, do you have a plan B in stock? So I, so it's not just condoms that people need to have on stock. Everyone needs to have a plan B on stock because I mean, if you're not trying to get pregnant, that's important, right? And plan Bs are usually hard to come by whenever um, the pharmacy is closed and you and you have a 72-hour window and the clock is ticking and you need to go get it. So definitely, you know, like stay stocked up, um, stay strapped up as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I would say that would be my list of self-care. Yeah, like, so I, I started- And having uh, sex is self-care too. Yes, that's the most important part. Have yes. sex, have yes. sex. Yes. Have sex, people. <laughs> like, 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 For the revolution. Like, just a little, like, I would say a little, um, kind of like an anecdote. Uh, I started, when I started, you know, like weightlifting, I started doing deadlifts. And I started realizing, like, oh, there's a lot part of this party that, like, it didn't work out in the past. Now it works perfectly. And then I started getting into yoga because then I started having yes. back issues. And that changed everything to, like... You're breathing the way, you know, like you move and your hips open more. Ah! <laughs> He's out here doing backflips <laughs> in the bed. open for his yeah. wife. <laughs> now, babe, we're going to, you know, get in this session. But, but you're My right. Back don't like, hurt no more. Back don't hurt no more. Exactly. But no, you're 100% right. Like when it comes up to, you know, like self, you know, like before you want to please someone, like self-care is huge. And if you have... If you're thinking of maybe setting up a routine, start doing it. It doesn't have to be an active thing of an hour a day. It could be 15 minutes. It could be 20 minutes. Something that could help you, one, like when you're doing that activity, besides sex, of course, it helps you not think about anything else. But it helps you focus on that because then whenever you're you're having intercourse or you're having sex with your... Mindfulness. Your, yeah. You, then you're focused on that aspect. And I feel like that helps a lot, like... Because of everything that happens in life, you know, you're always doing this, doing that, doing this, doing that. Mindfulness is a big piece in sex because a lot of folks who have been through maybe bad sexual experiences or, you know, traumatic sexual experiences, it's really hard to stay in the moment because they're disassociating from that experience and the partner's like, hey, what's going on? I'm trying to like make sure that you feel good and blah, blah, blah. But like this person hasn't told them, hey, I've had a bad experience with sex. So what you're doing is actually reminding me of something else. But um, or like the breathing is like hyperventilated. But that's why it's super important for both people to be for both folks to be mindful. Like, hey, if you're the one um, so like if you're having, if it's a guy and a girl ha- having sex and it's the girl not being mindful, um, I definitely always talk to guys about like, Hey, pay attention as well. Like, mm. are, are you noticing her breathing? Are you noticing that she's tensing up? Are you noticing that like her, her legs are super tight? That usually means she's nervous. That usually means she's like something else is happening up there. And that she's not being mindful. And if you're, and if she's not being mindful, she's not having a good time at all and that usually is the conversation that i have with folks surrounding consent like if someone tries to say hey she was having sex with like i was having sex with her and she never said no okay did you read her body language did Did you ask her did you like did 
you not notice that she was tense, that she was this, that she was that? And the answer is usually no, because because he wasn't mindful either. So, yes, mindfulness is a big key. I'm glad you brought that up. Right, right. And, you know, content is another big. I mean, it's a huge, especially. It is everything. Right. Because when it's forced, it's not going to be enjoyable. Like, it's not going to be something you enjoy. Um, when it's forced, it's called assault or rape. And that is that on that. So if someone wants, um, so if someone does not want to have sex with you, it is not just a yes or no situation. It also deals with body language. And that's something that everyone needs to be aware of and something that folks need to learn about as well. So guys, if she says no, that means no. And if real. she her and if her body language isn't like yeah let's do this you know break my back it it's a no <laughs> <laughs> right right there's no breaking of backs consensually yeah. right right um, so what do now, now we're gonna go into probably the healing party um, yes. because you know sometimes we have people that have had some traumas and even after abortions they they experience situations where it's hard for them to you know to actually yeah. have pleasure and absolutely and a lot of times it's like What what uh like say what do you recommend for someone who is frustrated with sexual education in general? If there has been trauma, um, so if everything that I talked about today is in the context, it's within the context of consent first off right. and first most for, and foremost. Um, and for those who have been in a situation where they, um, where their needs were not met, where their consent was not, you know, received and all of that healing is definitely going to be a journey. And it is something that a lot of folks need to know that, There's not necessarily a goalpost, like an end game. The journey is usually like deciding every day how you're going to take that day. If today doesn't feel good, it's okay. You can try again tomorrow. So taking everything first and foremost day by day. So if today you're not feeling good, like you're and your partner asks you to have sex, being okay with no on both parties. Yes, being able to communicate that to your partner. Hey, no, I actually don't want to have sex today. And, you know, the other person's ego not being um, shattered because they got rejected. And then also on this end, being able to say no. A lot of people struggle with saying no. And that's for many reasons. And that's okay too. Um, in, in Latinidad, saying no is hard. Mm, saying yeah. no is really hard. So it's understandable. But um, it's also important to be able to heal from that in order to be able to say yes, you know, to give an enthusiastic yes. So apart from uh, apart from being able to give your no a voice, also I think a lot of folks don't talk about it. Actually, I think a lot of folks talk about it now more than before therapy. Therapy is important. And yes, I know therapy is not accessible to everyone because it costs money, but there are certain organizations that do offer therapy for free. So doing that research and just seeing if you can get into therapy for free um, or if that's not accessible to you, reading 
Or that's why I created Dirty South Sex Ed going on Instagram. Everyone's on Instagram. Everyone's on social media. Um, If you are not able to um, afford therapy at the moment, finding the going out and finding the resources that you need is the most important way to be able to start that journey of healing. It's not the only way. It's not the, you know, this is the only way I'm going to heal. But it is a start. And it is a start to be able to you know, do that. And that in and of itself, um, will be able to start that journey. And then, um, I think I always tell, I also tell folks to keep a journal. I don't think that people let out how they're feeling most of the time and being able to let it out tends to help folks find the language to be able to communicate to folks how they're feeling. So there's that as well. Um, But those would be the ways that I would tell people to begin. Mm -hmm. It's not the full spectrum because everyone's situation is different. Everyone's life is complex. There's so many layers to to being human. And everyone is like their own bubble, their own world. So... This is so me saying, you know, go to my Instagram or go to therapy is not going to heal you. It's not going to make you better today, but it is a start. So I would start there. Good, good. Any resource available is helpful. Like any anything, you know, that's out there that can help. It's always helpful. Uh, and it's always should be well received. Um, oh, and lastly, talking about it like what we're doing today. So mm-hmm. talking about it with your friends, talking about it with your nieces and nephews, being that sex positive uncle, that sex positive tia, um, being the the person that is safe to come to for the young ones in our lives. So like if their parents are not talking about it or you can tell that their parents are telling them, hey, you're not supposed to have sex, being able to bring them aside. Hey, if you ever do need to talk to me about this, I am here. I'm not going to judge you. Um, I'm, I'm going to try my best to work within the boundaries of your parents and I will not like forsake your trust because it's important to be able to have young people trust us so that whenever they do have these questions that their parents are not going to answer, they can come to you about it and you're going to give them the facts. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, because we both have nieces and nephews. Yeah, I mean, that, that could be, an, uh, you know, having a better conversation with your, you know, nieces or, you know, nephews. And I agree. I, I think um, we need to be a little bit more open towards uh, sex education and if, for example, my sister is not going to do that, you know, this, 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 there should be a way for, the to, for them to understand it from somebody else. You know? Exactly. Because at the end of the day, what if one day someone tells them, like, why didn't you talk to anyone? It's like, oh, my Theo wasn't there either. Exactly. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And he had a whole podcast. <laughs> <laughs> he talks to everybody except for me. <laughs> No, it's funny because, like, with my nephew, every time I see him, I always try to, like, have a talk with, with him about life. Oh. Or sometimes he's just like, hey, he has some questions. And I'm just like, all right, so this is how it is and this is going on. And, this, you know, life is hard sometimes. So, <laughs> you know, it's not your fault or it's not anybody's fault or it's just life. Yes. So, Adulting is hard. Stay young forever. Super hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so another, another thing, like, say, when it comes up to, like, someone who has low sex drive or interest or they asexual like what do you what do you know what would you say to them well um great question but i would 
separate asexuality from low sex drive. They are not the same and they're not in the same category. Um, Asexuality is when someone doesn't have any sexual attraction to any other human or any romantic attraction to any other human, but that fluctuates between every asexual person. There are asexual people married. There are asexual people who still have sex with people because they want to please their their partner, but they themselves don't really like sex doesn't do anything for them. And that's valid. That's okay. And that is completely a thing. Um, So it's important to understand that like, it's not something that deals with the other person. Like if you are dealing with someone who is asexual, don't make it about you. It is not a situation where like, Oh, he or she doesn't find me attractive. He or she, you know, like their sex sucks or since I'm not, maybe they don't know that they're asexual or they know they're asexual and they just like haven't communicated that or anything like that. But um, yeah, asexual is a whole different thing. And then low sex drives are a whole other thing. And that's also another monster to tackle. But to be able to summarize it as best as I can, um, Sex drive is something that a lot of people misinterpret. People believe that, like, if you are, like, horny as a teenager or as, um, well, what we said earlier, people don't know that you're not going to be as horny as you get older for for men. And then for some women, like, they are not as sexual, um, like, like, their libido isn't as high. But... There's this thing called spontaneous desire. And then there's this other thing called responsive desire that I talk to a lot of folks about. Spontaneous desire is when we get horny naturally. Like, like we're probably not doing anything and we're just sitting here and we're like, damn, I want to go have sex with my girl or with my guy. (laughs) Responsive is when something happened to make you horny. So your, your girl was like rubbing on you. Okay, now let's do it. But it had to, but that had to happen in order for you to get in the mood. Same thing with, um, with, with women, they needed neck kisses or their nipples sucked or something like that in order to get in the mood. Right. So it is important to understand that people who have low sex drives and I, and I put that in quotation marks because low sex drives can change can happen to anyone. Mm-hmm. It, it, it depends on your mental state. It depends on what's going on in your life. It's it's a complex thing. Just because someone has a low sex drive today doesn't mean that they're going to have a low sex drive forever. But um, the way that couples or people who are in partnerships can move forward with desire and sex drives is usually understanding, Hey, if we want to get in the mood, if we want to have more sex in our relationship, we need to purposely make that happen. Meaning most people are actually in the responsive desire category. Um, which means that you purposely have to get that person in the mood. Like y'all both have to get each other in in the mood, but if y'all are just, you know, like moving on through life. So have y'all heard about the, have y'all heard the phrase keeping the spark alive? Mm-hmm. That is essentially what responsive desire would be. I okay. usually equate those two. Like in order to keep the spark alive is like, you have to do certain things, right. To keep, to keep y'all spicy. Um, and that in and of itself is the same way with, with sex, with our sex lives. We have to keep it spicy in order to have continuous sex. 
So for folks who have a low sex drive, it may not be something that you are necessarily going through, but we have to look at the whole picture. Are you in a healthy relationship? Do you like your partner? Mm-hmm. Is there like, are, are you happy? <laughs> you know, or are, are, are you stressed? Have you been through, have you been going through a lot? And if none of those things are an issue, okay, um, well then let's make this happen. Let's schedule sex. Let's, let's bring some toys. Let's get, you know, like in the mood, let's change it up. Let's do something different to, you know, keep it spicy, keep the spark alive. Okay. Okay. That's pretty good. Okay. It's hot in here. (laughs) So, um, above, above anything, you, I are, you carry so much information. What do you do to stay sane? Like, what do you do to, you know, what do you do as, as Irma? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, um, <laughs> oh, was, so all of that, what? That's it. Um, so. What did it like say, you know, to, to come in a place where like, oh man, like, cause it's, it's a lot of information. A lot of it is like, you know, it's kind of like people's situations, you know, fall on you at times. Mm-hmm. Especially when it comes up to you know working in a, in a, in, a, in the abortion you know part, and then whenever you know the sex part, also you know there's so many emotions that you you probably hear from people, and sometimes that would like hit you, or that would you know sometimes sometimes it would cause an effect on you. Mm-hmm. Like what do you do to you know like you know what this is Irma I have to this is I have to stay strong or you know. Yeah. Um. So. I do a lot of things, actually. I am the type of person that can get bored very easily. So I'm always wanting to do something new. I'm always um, trying to keep it like, like just I'm very adventurous. So I'm always running the streets, but um, in a healthy way. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I like going out i i do like dancing i love music i love watching movie like binge watching shows i love all of that um and i i do a lot like with my job but i also love it so it doesn't always necessarily feel like work but i definitely have had to have my boundaries with work where it's like all right at this time, I'm going to stop. I'm not going to answer any more questions. I'm not going to do anything else because, like, I need to, like, separate mm-hmm. that from, like, my actual life. And I'm not going to, you know, pay attention to that. So definitely, like, having those boundaries has helped me stay sane. Um, I started lifting as well. Ooh. So, um, you know, a hot girl summer, here I come. <laughs> and... I think that that has definitely helped me a lot lately with being able to take the stress and anger whenever I'm lifting something and like putting it back down. It's just like, whew. <laughs> like, you know, like, fuck Greg Gavin. <laughs> like, throws the weight. Yeah, right. um, so, yeah, I, I do the same things that I actually recommend to people. I make sure that I have a pleasure practice. Like, I have a whole, like, cabinet of sex toys that I like to review that people, that different brands send me. So I do sex toy reviews on my page. And I usually try to see that as, like, a fun thing. Sometimes it has gotten to a point where it feels like work. And so I kind of, like, gave it a break because it's not supposed to feel like work, right? Mm -hmm. So that's where the boundaries came in, where it's like, all right, I'm only going to review them whenever I actually feel rested and good so yeah besides exercising and eating healthy and um using my sex toys 
I would say that 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 would be that. I'm a multifaceted individual. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, I feel like um, when 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 you work in in an environment like that, you you have to have your boundaries. Um, it's it's mm -hmm. key. I feel like and. Um, Uh, I tell my my girlfriend the same thing. She's a social worker too. Oh, and she, she knows. Yeah, and she <laughs> like she's a really uh, she's a really strong uh, woman, but she can also uh, cry very easily. You know, watching a show or something, and I feel like um, having that boundary to shut off work. When, when she gets home and when she's doing something else, it has helped her, you know, yeah. be healthy. Yeah. Absolutely. Boundaries are important. And I am so happy that there is a new movement happening where it's like hustle culture is being canceled out because people are realizing, yes, you can give your all to a company, give your all to a job, but your job is not, the job is not going to have your back. Whenever it's time right. to cut you, they're they going to cut you. Right. So at the end of the day, you still going to have to take care of yourselves in order to survive, in order to stay sane. So boundaries are super important. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I think, I think a lot of that, you know, we need to, every time we want to, you know, like please ourselves, we really have to, That's what we're doing this, so so so, yeah. so people can listen to this. I mean, right. think about yourself. You know, love yourself, yes. explore yourself, right. learn yourself. You know, things yourself. Like, go get us explored. <laughs> But now you're right. Um, and and anyone that's you know is, is listening right now, you know, like I you know appreciate you guys for sticking around. And you know this this very very like I would say important conversation about sex. And there's I'm pretty sure we're gonna hopefully have another part second part with you and and i'm down it's it'll be cool and we'll have a, an audience here you know we already <laughs> talked to our friends but it was like it was like we actually need to plan it better yeah um, yeah we just need yeah. to talk to them and then we'll come They're through no yeah i would love to have um an audience here i think i rarely ever get to um speak to men as much as i do with women mm -hmm. and men need to be a part of this conversation right Yeah, and, and like say, like our audience is about 40 women and 60 men. And I'm like, huh, I got you guys. Now you have to listen to this. Hey. <laughs> and, and, and the hook is to talk, like we're going to have the title like Austin FC and then boom, talk about sex. <laughs> and then the last 20 minutes will be Austin FC. <laughs> so oh, and if y'all trying to keep it sexy in the bedroom, y'all can um, do the whole like dress up thing as soccer players, like a sexy soccer player. Mm -hmm. And and like, oh. The girl can be the ref, the, the sexy ref, and the guy can be the like soccer player, and y'all can like make it happen. There, I give y'all an idea for go. free. Yeah. All right, all right. <laughs> I'm glad it's free. <laughs> Sex therapy is expensive. Yeah. It is, it is. Um, so now uh, we're gonna go and. Before we go into the soccer part, there was actually an article a couple of weeks ago that was released, and they actually so every every four years there's the Olympics. And I don't know if you heard about this one with, but uh, in the Rio de Janeiro ones, they ran out of condoms during the Olympics because they provided condoms for the I it's like the Olympic. Actually. So the Olympic Village where they all the athletes stay, mm -hmm. they I guess are like you know what these guys are like, we need them to be 100 you know like athletes and and mm -hmm. responsible. So they distributed like a good amount of condoms, good. and they ran out of them already. What? And, uh, and uh, uh, I think the Olympic have started, so they're like, 
What and they were there, yeah, so so the, the the Olympic committee was like, oh no no, this is actually for them to take back home so they can educate people right, about right. sex. Right. And I was like, no, just oh say how it gosh. is. Like, yes. you want you want people to be responsible, and, and, and that's was, okay. Yeah, and it was pretty funny because I was thinking about that, and I was like, what would anyone say about this? <laughs> I got thoughts. Yeah, and it's like it was funny because it's one of those things that actually like not just. One, it was like a radio station, you know, read the document, and then that just like that information spread through like fire with the other, you know, programs and channels. Yeah, but it's good. I mean, they're they're pretty much talking about it, and it's like when you have hundreds of athletes from whatever type of the world, they're all like sexually, like they're all active physically. Yeah. That brings endorphins and that, you know, care like that mm-hmm. triggers to like, mm, exactly. Okay. Literally what we were just talking about yes. in regards to self-care. When you work out, you feel a lot better. And yeah. AKA with athletes, they're, right. they're going to want to have sex. Yeah. They are in that environment exactly. where they see, where, where, where they get to communi- where they get to engage with some of the most beautiful women on the planet. So be strapped up. If you're <laughs> right. not trying to, you know, yeah. have a baby mama out here, <laughs> right? I, I mean, how else can you like, like, think about it, right? Like, yeah. okay, if you, because I think there's also this thing. Like, I have this pet peeve where men always talk about, or at least on social media, I hear like men always think that women are out for their money. And while I can be um, definitely like real, where it's like there are a few that may be out there for, it, but most of the time it's like, yo, why didn't you wear a condom then? Exactly. <laughs> at the end of the day like most women are in, are like people who have their own money like now in this day and age most women have their own so most women are not out for your money however if you're not trying to have a baby mama if you're not trying to pay child support why didn't you strap it up i i don't know what to tell you i don't have any pity like like i, I i'm not sad for you i'm sorry yeah not either get your condom <laughs> right yeah right. um so it's you know with that is you know the first Austin FC game was this week. Ooh, and it was a very very good time. However, in Spanish is goles son amores, mm-hmm. and there was an, a goal. No, 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 cayeron los goles. Um, es triste porque la gente la gente estaba ahí. Everybody went Un and um, penal tan siquiera nada. Um, uh, to tell the truth, I don't, I, I don't remember seeing them shoot once at the goal. Right. And it's, it's. I mean, it's sad. I know it's a new team. I know there's a lot that we're going to have to wait for, but I, I, that's all I was asking for. Like a good shot to the goal, you know. Right. And it's, uh, I didn't see it. And, I mean, the environment was there. Everybody was screaming. Everybody was, you know, on their game. We just needed the players to be on the same level. Right. And, and I feel like se quedaron un poquito abajo con el trabajo. Y, y se vio en la cancha. Y muchos de los, de los fans hablaron de eso. Estaban diciendo de que esperaban un poquito más, especialmente porque era el primer juego en casa. Tenían que demostrar un poquito más y les faltó mucho. Les faltó mucho porque hemos estado viendo partido tras partido y hemos estado viendo de lo mismo de lo mismo y... No puede seguir así, necesitamos resultados. Sí. Al final de cuentas, el, el fanático es incondicional. Siempre vamos a estar ahí, pero tenemos la manera de... Tenemos 
que ponerle presión a los jugadores, de alguna forma. Los jugadores estaban, se veían decepcionados, pero lo que me gustó fue que teníamos un buen portero. Y menos eso ayuda mal. bastante. Sí, menos mal. Nos... Porque todos estaban stupid por unos 10 <risa> minutos. Y por eso no tengo Fuera. voz ahorita. Sí. Estaban, estaban, lo, lo estaban elogiando y eso, eso también mucha gente le ha tirado este a él. Uh -huh. y, y, pero es un buen portero que ojalá el contrato que venga le tengan que mejorar el pago. Porque si no. Sí, porque en realidad estamos salvando al equipo. Uh, ¿Cómo se llama? San José Earthquakes. Um, no llegó muchas veces a la portería, pero las veces que llegó, si no estuviera Stuber, nos caen los goles. Sí. Y fueron como tres o cuatro que te puedo contar que, que salvó el, el portero. Y yo creo que no. Sí, tenemos que tener un portero bien, bueno, pero no tenemos que. We don't have to rely on him all the time. So. And uh, another thing that happened is like Austin FC, as we were recording this episode, they were playing a game and they just lost 2-0. So it's like, come on, guys. Come on, you see it. <laughs> and that's, that's what I, I'm saying. You know, it's like we need to pressure in a way so they can do better. Uh, the coach, the players, you know, the whole um, team, you know, has to come to. Uh, To give us something that we can like actually keep our efforts with them, you know. Right. Si no tenemos eso, si no nos dan la satisfacción de, de saber que van a hacer un buen partido, no, no nos da, no, no nos va a dar ganas verlos, ¿me entiendes? Y es triste, lastimosamente perdieron hoy y ahí viene el domingo, viene otro juego y esperemos que que sea un poquito diferente y, y, y ojalá ganemos, por favor, ojalá que sí. Sí, necesitamos una victoria porque si no van a haber bastantes críticas. Ahora, ¿por qué estamos jugando en casa? ¿Por qué mucha gente batalló para conseguir un boleto? Porque pagando el doble por un pagando boleto el que valía. triple doble sí. por un boleto y, sí. y creo yo que, que los jugadores tienen que tener conciencia de, eh, compa, ponte las pilas porque el mercado de transferencias se va a empezar a abrir y se cierra en agosto y yo no creo que muchos jugadores en, este, en, en el equipo se estén quedando pues, pues ojalá que no porque en realidad no estamos viendo lo, lo que deberían de sacar y, y si no están dando resultados si no están haciendo su trabajo bien necesitan cambiar necesitan cambiar y traer gente que va a hacer el trabajo no sí. importa de dónde no importa de, de qué país tienen que traer a jugadores buenos para que saquen resultados para que los fanáticos estemos contentos y ellos estén en, un, en una buena racha también, porque ahorita que ¿cuántas perdidos ya? ahorita sí tienen que abrir la billetera y gastar tiene que pasar algo, algo muy bueno para que, para que el equipo mejore they need to have orgasm <laughs> exactly <laughs> or that too, that, that too. Well, well, here's good. the one question no, however yeah. I don't know how many of these players actually moved with their family here and Like say like Mexican players and and, and uh, they they have this thing called when they go from Mexico to Europe they call it el male jamaicón because there's this one player whose last name is jamaicón okay and he actually missed his family and his wife when he moved to Europe so he ended up coming back because of that aspect uh -huh. but then other players actually moved with their spouses and things were better and they remained there for years so you're right about that. it makes I mean, it makes sense. I know what I'm talking about. But I, I was going to ask you now that he said that too. Um, is it true? Well, I don't know if this is true or fake or whatever, but I, 
this is what it, what usually coaches say, right? Uh, don't have sex the night before you having a game because you're not gonna be, you know, performing the the best or you know you're gonna be down. I am not as versed in soccer mm-hmm. or sports as I am. My my knowledge lies in sex. <laughs> However, <laughs> what I am assuming that is happening is that they want that tension to be like built up so that whenever they play, you know, they're like, ah, they're, you know, they give it all, they give it their all. Um, and they have like this prize to go to at home. Like if, if, if you get, if y'all win, you know, y'all will get an orgasm tomorrow or something. (laughs) However, I beg to differ. I would say if they were, you know, having some type of pleasure in their life or having an orgasm before the game, they would be less stressed. They would have a clearer mind to be able to focus. And you can have two orgasms. You can have, you can have an orgasm before and an orgasm after. Okay, why, right. why are we capping orgasms? Exactly. Right. <laughs> but um, I... I don't think there's a true or false answer basically i think it's just more so of a style that people have good good so you heard the moral of the story is have sex both before and after yeah (laughs) maybe maybe we need to get irma to go and talk to the players (laughs) yes we will have a sex workshop (laughs) (laughs) but yes yes uh, and this wraps up the 11th episode of otra por favor otra por favor anything else you guys want to add or y'all mad? Um, Irma, go ahead. I have said my piece. If ever, if anyone wants to continue the conversation or follow me, I am at Sex Ed with Irma on Instagram, and um, I post on there regularly um, different sex ed facts um, to stay healthy and um, that are geared towards marginalized people in the south because we live in the bible belt um but yeah you can catch me in these streets this summer yeah <laughs> you know it este no muchas gracias Irma por estar aquí thank you so much for being here with us yeah. um I just want to say acuérdense de seguirnos otra por favor punto com acuérdense de escuchar los episodios en uh Spotify o donde quiera que escuchen los podcasts um Acuérdese de darle like, acuérdese de seguirnos uh, en Instagram, Facebook. Y pues este tema fue un poquito caliente porque se trató de sexo, se trató de educación. Es algo que en nuestra cultura de repente no lo, no, no lo, abrimos, no lo hablamos abiertamente. Yo creo que es necesario y es urgente que sepamos, que estudiemos esto, que sepamos de nosotros, que sepamos del sexo para poder este, tener una vida Sexual saludable. ¿Cómo ves? Amén. Amén. Drops my. Well, Irma, thank you once again. And this wraps it up. Yeah, uh, thank y'all for having me. Have a good rest of the week and adiós. Bye. Chao. Bye. Bien. Have orgasms. <laughs> That's right. Bye.